0: All right, what's up? Hello, my name is Rich Ryan. This is the Reinforced Running Podcast. Today, we have Chris Brown, very special guest here. was very excited to have him back on the show for the second time. Chris is a very accomplished ultra runner and dips into the OCR uh competition as well. So he has a really cool perspective on the two different cultures. So we talk a lot about the differences between the two and, and, and where we see the sport of OCR going. We talk a little bit about the protein stuff. We talk uh, a little bit about microbiome and the way that your uh, body can handle these ultra distances. And Chris, Chris has learned a lot through his years as uh, an athlete and coach. So he has a great perspective to share. And he's also part of the Spartan trail team. So he puts on these events, and he has uh, really cool uh, stories and things to, to talk about when it comes to the goals of that as well. So love the conversation. Awesome guy. Let's do it. Chris Brown. We can get moving on it. Cool. Um, yeah, so I've been, we're moving uh, across the country in like 10 days. Where you gone? Uh, Denver.
1: Right on, so- man. Congrats.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So my life has just been like a bit of a disaster. Not a good excuse, but an excuse that I bring. Indeed.
1: That's completely acceptable. I'm not worried about it.
0: Where um where are you, where are you at now? Missoula. Oh yeah? When did you yeah. are you're there full time? Wow. Brick snow, baby. Yeah. That's crazy. How much is how much you got? Is it is it? Alm-
1: Almost 100% of the time, if I were to turn my uh, camera out my front window, you would see deer. Deer are an absolute <laughs> nuisance here. Um, yeah, we've we got like maybe, I don't know, hard to say. Because once you, I mean, the streets, there's not a lot. But you go up into the hill. I don't know. We probably got like a foot right now. Just kind of base. But
0: if you, you probably get can, up- can you get in the trails at all? Are, are you going to do snow stuff? Yeah. Are yeah, you a snow yeah. person?
1: yeah. On, the trails honestly right now like today I went out for a trail run uh, just my classic loop that I would do in the summer and it is idyllic up there it is completely perfect I wore traction um, and it felt awesome uh, wasn't sliding um, but it's also it's kind of perfect in that it's not uneven it's not packed down weirdly there's not a ton of ice it's just so perfect right now and you get above this kind of uh, fog layer in the valley and, and it's just like sparkly and it's beautiful up there. So yeah, it's, it's like I had quiet. one of those runs this morning where it was just like, this is paradise. It's amazing what I'm running through right now. I could do this for, I could do this all day. I could just be out here um, forever. So yeah, it's, it's, it's right on right now. But that said, like three days ago, I, was, I, I decided in the middle of a snowstorm that I was going to get to the summit of this mountain here called Deanstone. No matter what. and How'd you do it? <laughs> uh, that was less, uh, less uh, pleasant to get up to the top of that. Uh, a lot of Did you get there? Uh, you know, where you defi- if define the top of that trail is you, you can choose a few options. And I chose one of the easier ones and then turned back. Well, it, was, it was some 30-minute post-holing miles at that point. But anyway, yeah, it's I- runnable. <clears throat> How'd you end up there? Are you? Where are you
0: from originally? I don't think I know that.
1: I'm from Seattle, but I've spent the last oh. quite a while in in California, um, college and post college and restaurant shit. Uh, but uh, yeah, I I chose here. It was pretty arbitrary, honestly. It was well, I say arbitrary, but it's it. We didn't have any reason to come here, so we we didn't have any reason to go anywhere specific. So we were able to choose where we wanted. Um, Mm -hmm. so I wasn't tied anymore to the restaurant. My fiance now, uh, wasn't tied to where she was working. We both kind of simultaneously hit a point where we were like, all right, well, we want to get out of here. We both have been in Santa Barbara longer than we originally planned to be by a factor of 10. So let's just pick. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was, Hmm. you know, it was down to the usual suspects like Bend and, and Missoula and Bozeman and. Um Durango and just
0: kind of some of the classic running towns. Um, and here we are. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're similar in that we're not tied to anywhere. And yeah, you know, we've been, but we're we're more city people. So we're in Philadelphia yeah. now. So our going west at all is gonna be more of uh the ability to get into nature and, and feel that a little bit more. So sort of the same mm-hmm. thing. We were just kinda like, let's just try this place. we we were gonna do a smaller town. Um, in Colorado, when we are looking at some different places like Fort Collins or Colorado Springs, something like that. But we're just still city people.
1: Yeah, you well, know, it's still it, its hard Denver's to jump right a out of it. One, it's like sure the nature access is there, but not not if you're right in the heart of it. If you're right in the heart of Denver, you got to drive a long way to get to a good trailhead.
0: Compared so to you're... where I am now,
1: though, yeah. like that's sure. the thing. Like for someone sure. like
0: you, where you could turn you turn your camera and you're like, look, there's all the nature in the world. Yeah. Right now it's like, for me, it's 40 minutes to just be outside of gridlock, <laughs> you oh, know? Oh God, so, that's gruesome. It's, it's miserable. So even having the ability to, to drive 30 minutes to something that's beautiful and amazing. Like to me, that's much closer. Cool. Did you land
1: up? Did you get a spot?
0: Yeah, did we got a spot. Had, uh, We're in a uh, Lodo. Lodo,
1: uh, no idea. Lower downtown, Lower downtown? Yeah. Mm-hmm. something like that. Lower downtown. You
0: have uh, you have an idea. Dude, come on, easy, easy. You got, you got an idea. Well, congrats on getting out of the the away from the restaurant. Um, yeah, that's congrats. And also, congrats on getting engaged. I didn't know that either.
1: Thanks, brother. Yeah, uh, got engaged pretty much right when we moved here. Got <laughs> are, are we are we going yet? Are we are we are we on? We're just going. We're talking. Okay, cool. Let's just do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I. <laughs> The restaurant thing was hilarious. So I, I was, last time I talked to you, I was still in it, but I think I at least had an inkling that I was moving mm-hmm. at that point based on where I was talking to you from. Um, but, yeah, I, I got out and agreed to terms with my buddies who I owned it with. Um, but then, yeah, it's a, it's a pandemic, bro. You can't, like, have your friends buy you out of a restaurant that is bleeding slowly. Like, you can't. That's That would have been... Uh, that'd been, that would have been pretty rude. So I waited, you know, (laughs) forever. Uh, I, I told the guys like, listen, like you guys are letting me out on generous terms. Just do it when you can, like, whatever. I don't you don't have to pay me out immediately. So I waited about a year and then, um, I, and then we, they were in a spot where they could buy me out. Um, that was like August of this year. So I spent about a year still Technically and legally involved, which is actually kind of scary because we ended up getting sued in that time, which is a whole nother story. But uh, <sighs> just and, and and like ended up being a relatively inconsequential story. Um, but uh, yeah, dude. Anyway, so um, the restaurant closed like two weeks ago, forever. No way. So my restaurant is That's still going to be a bummer, I mean. right?
0: Is that oh yeah, that feel it's, it's a bummer.
1: Yeah, it does, man. Yeah. We like on the one hand, I was super burned out. I hated it. It was a major, major negative part of my life, but I was also really proud of it. And I know that it was, I know that it was something that was good. Like we were making really good food. It was a good concept. It it just drained us so badly. So, um, mm. I'm, I'm bummed that it doesn't exist in the world anymore. It's almost like a little bit of a fuck you people. You couldn't you didn't know what you had. Like now this thing is, mm-hmm. now no one can have what we made anymore. Um, but at the same you know, time, I obviously didn't have yeah. any investment in it in a
0: long time. So it doesn't really affect me. It's a, is it feel? I mean, cause you said like you're you're out of it now, but it, it was probably a lot of, of sweat and a lot of, a lot of time sunk into it. Does it feel like a failure at all? Or does it feel like kind of a missed opportunity Of sorts, because even though you're out of it, it...
1: yeah, it was a failure. Uh, But I'm not that worried about that. Like you know, I fail at something every day. We all do. Mm -hmm. It's uh, so it was for sure a failure. Um, you can you can rationalize the closing of a restaurant in the pandemic as not being a failure, and it's certainly like the most difficult time ever to have a restaurant like have a functional profitable restaurant. So I could reason myself out of that one. I could say, Oh, well, it's the, it's the pandemic's fault that we closed. Um, it's not necessarily a failure. I still think it is definitely a personal failure in terms of, uh, like I just frankly wasn't up to it, man. I wasn't a good manager. I didn't have what it took in terms of, uh, ability to devote the amount of time and energy to it. Um, you know, and I kind of knew that going in, and maybe it was a little self fulfilling, but um, hmm. yeah, I don't know, man. It was it was rough all the way around. I'm still glad I did it. Like it was, it's kind of like running your first hundred miler. Like it's not, it's not a good experience, but you're glad you did it. You know, you hurt yourself badly, and you got a lot out of it as a in terms
0: of you gotta thrill, you gotta right? find out, right? It, it seems like out. at that point you just gotta see what it's about. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I I, um, I, I saw what it was about. And it didn't surprise me, and uh, I wasn't ready for it. Maybe some, maybe when I'm done <laughs> running, maybe when I'm old and have a lot more time, um, and don't have hobbies that require a daily commitment to fitness,
0: then right, I'll an try Incredible it amount of energy. Yeah. 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 So you've been racing quite a bit, right? You made. Um, so I don't typically. I used, when I used to do like process of getting ready for the podcast or whatever. I would, like look at people's Instagrams, like have like certain things that I want to touch on. Uh, and it doesn't always work, right? It's like, if you get all I found, if I get all my information from social media, I find out that I that I know nothing that I have I've learned nothing. And it, it, nothing is real when I get mm-hmm. it that way. But speaking of potentially being real or not being real, your most recent post about some oh. grand slam <laughs> situation seemed to not be a real thing. Did you my God,
1: the, one of the most <laughs> difficult, one of the, one of the greatest challenges in modern times is figuring out the appropriate level of sarcasm to reach, to reach the, the ideal audience on social media, right? Like, how sarcastic do you have, how obviously sarcastic do you have to be in order to reach the most people while also still <laughs> being kind of funny and not just hitting people over the head with it? And I was on the wrong side of that line. Like, I put up a post uh that was like really really over embellishing a a real non-achievement in ultra running i said so the idea is there's these golden ticket races you can win a uh one of these 100ks and go to western states most of these races have an mm. affiliated 50k which is not at all competitive because there's no stakes right <sighs> so i i happen to have gone to a bunch of these over the past few years just as like tune-up races um, and run these 50Ks, and I've won uh, what turns out to be, what, like, four of them. Um, they're not competitive. And so I went on, like, a very braggy post about having won these, like, totally insignificant races. Uh, and, you know, the feedback I got was like, oh, my God, you're so amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> muscles, muscles. Can fire we sponsor you? Yeah yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Would you
0: like to collab with our brand? <laughs> we- yeah. 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 So- it was probably – Seventy thirty, not getting it. You think you yeah. got thirty percent of people? Because that's pretty inside baseball too. Even when I was it reading, was I was too like, "Too inside baseball." I don't think I, think I know these does. races. Yeah,
1: no, yeah, they're not, they're not important. But you know, there's also maybe a little bit of like privilege in that. Like, well, I was still winning races. That's pretty cool.
0: Um, but yeah, anyway, these ones aren't competitive. <clears throat> Most anyway, people yeah. who are going to be following you or who are going to be following people that they. Loosely follow, right? Like I'm sure you got followers on both ends too, right? Because you're kind. I see you as kind of like this bridge between OCR and and trail running. They're they're kind of separate, but you are the one connecting the two. If there is a connection, so you probably have a lot of OCR people following you too. And I'm sure they don't know anything about that. Tra- no I know idea. very little about mm-hmm. the trail running secret like series. Yeah. So like they probably thought that was legit because right. It's hard to even if you won your local 5K, like a turkey trot. People be like, yeah. damn, dude, I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah.
1: I won the the Rancho Cucamonga Thanksgiving 8K. And for that, I am the shit now. It was...
0: Which most yeah. people won't. Most, most people won't win that race. Because no, you but there. if they
1: do, they'd brag about it. <sighs> so enter the satire, and I wish it went over better. But so it goes. Now, hey, you've been racing lately. Tell me about this frickin' Hyrox yeah. thing. Uh, um, I went yeah, on and so saw I'm... the results and saw, and saw that you did really well. I, I couldn't parse out anything about what the results mean. Like when you mm. go through and you like, look at splits and that sort of thing, it's too much information. Like it just doesn't, unless you had them on two screens side by side and was like, all right, well, how did Rich do compared to, the uh, Hunter or Bracken or someone, um, Right. It's like, it's too much information to, to tell how your race broke down, but I saw that it went well.
0: It, and that's, that's, what's interesting about this, right? Cause there's a total time, which you can kind of take as uh, a quantifiable measure of how well it did. And like the, the course is standardized, you know, give or take, uh, be, I guess it would be kind of like cross country, right? Some cross country courses are faster, even though it's like the same distance, like this is mm-hmm. kind of how hyrox is like, just based off of the setup, like there can be different times, but like, really you know, within reason a little like, bit, what like, are some, some of, the of these are like convention different... centers. Yeah. How could it be different? So, so there's like lap distances. Some of the convention centers are a little smaller, so you'll have to do three laps for a thousand meters as opposed to two or something like that. So a little okay. bit more turns. So it's like negligible or even, I think this past one, the weather, even though it's indoors the last time in, in Chicago, it was June and this one was, uh, January. So it was way hotter. So, you know, stuff like that, that can kind of play into it. Yeah, um, but for the most altitude, part, the obviously. times matter altitude, for sure. There's going to be a deck of fit out in, in Denver in a couple, uh, months, which I'm sure is going to be slower than, than normal, but yeah, the, 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 the splits and everything, they also don't seem very impressive, right? Because they are a thousand meters and, and even Kent was running six minute pace for thousand meter at a time for eight K. So it doesn't seem like it's that fast, but the demands of like the sled push and the sled pull and the row and the whole thing oh, 100%. adds up. So none of the individual no, yeah, like so none of the individual pieces look that impressive. So like really the end time is the is the main thing to kind of look at.
1: Well that I mean that's 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 the the whole thing with OCR is like no the average running pace isn't very fast, but if you understood what, you know, climbing a rope or jumping over a bunch of stuff or doing a barbed wire crawl or, I mean, triathletes understand this. Like try getting, try, mm-hmm. try doing a different exercise and then starting to run. Like it doesn't go well. It's, there, there's a huge, uh, weight that you put on your back doing that. So, I mean, when you said six minute miles, I, I was like, was he saying that slow or is he saying that's fast? Cause I mean, during something like that, that's what do you think that, no, I was going to say that sounds fast to me.
0: Hmm. Well, over the, uh, I mean, you know, I when I was looking at it from, from the beginning, true, like, but just for like a flat 8K, mm-hmm. you know, but how it was broken out, like that wouldn't necessarily be considered backstop, No, no. no. Of, at least course, I never thought. Of course. So. Yeah. But understanding
1: right. to some extent what I do about how obstacles affect it, I was like, eh, I could go either way. Um, did you happen yeah. to run into, so I got a buddy who's starting to dabble in that, um, guy's name is Julian Martinez. Did you run into him?
0: What was the name you broke up there for a second?
1: Uh, Julian Martinez. Do you know him? He was- Oh,
0: he was a uh, Katie Knight's partner. Yes, he was. He is yoked. <laughs> I yeah, was like, bro. who is this? <laughs> He's super right. jacked. Cause I was, yeah, uh, so... I was watching the doubles race cause uh, Bracken and Bracken had a, uh, was with Kelly Schweikart and Nick Reichert was with um, Alicia Kuker And then I saw Katie Knight jumped in with this super yoked dude. And I, but who yeah. I didn't know who he was. Yeah.
1: So Jul- Dude, uh, where do I even start on this? So, um, man, I guess. Okay. So, so Julian, good friend of mine. Um, oh man, where do I even go? Okay. So the, the first reveal is that Julian was my business partner at the restaurant. Oh, no way yeah so he he is he's the half Cuban guy that merited opening a Cuban restaurant, so the food is all his like this is <sighs> this is this has been my best friend for you know years now running the restaurant um he was also my college roommate and cross country teammate and when i met he's a year younger than me and when I met this kid he was i mean he's still probably what 5'9"? nine and and he was at the time but he was probably a hundred and twenty pounds he was he was prepubescent looking the dude was a stick and he was super injury prone in cross country and so he had he was on the cycle of starting a season and halfway through getting injured and being on the elliptical mm-hmm. for the rest of the season and never getting to race and then i i think it was he i think it was his junior year uh same thing happened but instead of you know trying to finish out the season doing aqua jogging or elliptical he just decided I'm going to start doing CrossFit because <laughs> his brother was doing CrossFit and, you know, was getting super jacked and really enjoyed it and told Julian about it. So, he started doing CrossFit, got just humongous over the span of 6 months. Like, people on the team, we saw this happen to him. We were like, "What? Drugs is this guy on?" <laughs> He's gaining weight faster than it seems possible to gain weight. And so, and his body is just freakishly suited for it. It's, it was like instantaneous that his body turned into this weird hulking thing that you see now. Um, but yeah, he was this like tiny, tiny, skinny cliche high school cross country kid. And then he turned into what he is now. And, um, yeah, so I've been watching him do CrossFit for a while and it's just like, you know, we'd be in the kitchen prepping and he'd come in and it's like, we'd be in silence for a while. And he'd be like, Man, fuck Hunter McIntyre. <laughs> what are you talking <laughs> about? Dude? He's a nice guy. Like I run, I don't, I don't know him well. But like I've run into him a couple times. He's like really nice. He's like he's just so annoying. <laughs> he's like, what's your beat, dude? And I, you know, Hunter's big on social. Like he's he's a big personality on social media, and that could obviously rub. It's very the polarizing wrong way. too. It's like you're yeah, but like you're on his know. team, where you're like yeah, a hundred percent. Hunter knows what he does to people I'm sure, but my Julian was like super anti, I was like, dude, he's nice. It's fine. Don't worry about it. And then, but you know, Julian's like, he's bragging about all this shit that like other people can do. So Julian like made it part of his life to to recreate things that Hunter was bragging about. (laughs) So like the 500 pounds deadlift into, this is why I bring this up. So the, like the, the lifting and running thing, the 500 pound deadlift Mm -hmm. into a five minute mile. Julian does that casually. And hmm. And I, I never quite understood like whether Hunter was trying to be the first to do that or whether someone had done it before. But I, I, Julian did it easily, multiple times, like regularly without problem. Um, huh. And that was like that was one of his big beefs about you know Hunter, which it was just silly watching him like stew about this guy.:
0: The uh, actually, the dude Mike Moralia. Do, do you know the Moralia Mm-mm. twins? Mm-mm, no. Um, they did OCR for a while. One lives, I think now in Vegas and the other one's in um, Boulder ish area, but he, Mike Moralia did it. Okay. Yeah. Pulled 500 and then ran a, a mile all under five minutes. Right. And then Hunter did yeah. it a little bit later, but Mike Moralia made it like this huge big deal. Like got people like Dave Castro retweeted him or whatever, like retweeted shared his thing. Like, so, and it seems like something that people can do but no one ever went about that. That's doing.
1: that was, that was the point I think is like, why make a big deal plenty? well i don't think there's plenty of people can do who can do that i think that's still really extreme and if you know mm-hmm. you know hunter physically is really really impressive not because of how strong he is but because he still has such a big engine like that mm-hmm. dude pound for pound is one of the best runners in the world that it's crazy how fast that guy can still move um mm-hmm. and it is you know it is a special skill set to be able to do, do those two things together but it was also really funny seeing julian who's just just like Super quiet, totally attention averse dude. Like, fuck that. I can go do that. And just, you just do it regularly (laughs) and casually, substantially faster than Hunter. And like, put up a video and got like three views and then he deleted
0: it. (laughs) No one cares. Right. And everyone's gone crazy for Hunter. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I, I, I must say, Hunter did have that effect on me when i first got into the sport and he was a little like certainly a big inspiration for me to get into not just like the high rock stuff but ocr in general i was Mm -hmm. like this guy is good at this sport like i'm gonna get into sport. i'm gonna murder people i'm like i can run so much better than him i can do i can do some crossfit stuff and be great Mm -hmm. um that was not the case but he was definitely kind Mm -hmm. of an inspiration to to get into he's probably the first ocr athlete who i knew of yeah you know, from like the outside. Um, but you were kind of OG, right? That is was a hilarious picture yeah. with you. Yeah. Oh yeah. With me and Hobie um, and, and Hunter.
1: Yeah. I, Hunter and I ran one of our first races together. I think I ran one before him, but Hobie, uh, well maybe even two, but I was there for one of Hunter's first races. We were there together and we ran against Hobie right. and got our
0: asses kicked. Right. Um, hilarious yeah. photo of you guys. Yeah. Um, that was pretty silly do you have someone like that on the trail circuit? Like, so when I'm training, right, like, I I try not to always compare, like, oh, when I race, I'm going to beat this person, I'm going to visualize myself like racing to beat specific people. But when I do, you know, it's guys like Kent, uh, Hunter, Magida. Um, Do you have, do you have that on on the trail end of things? Or does the mentality on the trail end of things like, is it different? Not that the competition is so like fierce or thought of it that way.
1: I have some rivals, um, not, well, I think it's a really interesting idea. This difference in how, like how, how, if you only know someone on social media, how you would perceive them compared to how they are as a person, Mm -hmm. especially in athletics and especially in a sport, uh, whether it be trail running or OCR that is, uh, sort of underpaid. So we're all, or at least a lot of us, uh, I'll say a lot of people because I wouldn't include myself in this. Um, that's a personal horn toot there, but um, there's a there's a certain amount of pretending online. Like you, you, you. People are really trying. Like they're. Like, I need to be good on social media because that that could be the difference between me making only a little bit of money and me making a living wage. Like people really have to try, and so you mm-hmm. you see that happening. And I forgive almost everybody for doing that. But it's really funny the effect that has on people. Like if one of the classic examples that comes to mind is Sage Cannaday. Like Sage has put a lot, you know Sage?
0: Uh, Yeah, he has a pretty good YouTube presence, I believe, right? Yeah, big YouTube presence. he ran at what, Cornell or something? He was in college around the same time I was. Yeah, 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 he ran at Cornell.
1: He was like a, you know, he was really good for Ivy. But I don't think he was, you know, he wasn't like a D1 Mm. All-American or anything. Um, I might I don't know I don't, think I don't so. know his credentials particularly well from college, but he was you know he's good, he's D1, that's huge. Um But he's like he's got this weird thing where like Let's Run hates him and it's just because <laughs> he is really active on social media and he's he's a little bit of a goober, right? He's a little like he's he's wholesome, he's a little corny, and and like yeah. people on the internet fucking hate that. So there's this weird like inside joke of of like Sage Canada hatred on the internet. Um and it's it's so weird because like if you ever meet him, you're like, he's the sweetest guy. And it it's so it's like meeting Sage is contrary to both the weird internet inside joke about him, but then also contrary to who he presents himself as on social media. Because his social media persona is like big and boisterous and like, you know, a little bit rah-rah, a little like David Roche, a little like you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's so – it's it's a much bigger personality than what he's like in person, which is much sweeter, more more down-to-earth, uh, and calm. Um, yeah, so, you know, that that's one of the – so there's not really people who drive me crazy in that way, that, like, Hunter drove Julian crazy or that Sage drives Let's Run crazy. Um, <laughs> but I definitely well, have – so it's super weird. I mean, Let's Run is like the bottom of the internet. It's like the,
0: it, yeah, it's a, it's, go ahead. That's like how it, that's how I, it started for me. I was like, the worst place in the world is Let's Run. And then the entire internet became that. Oh, for like, sure. Oh, no, yeah. everything's a Let's Run message board now.
1: Damn yeah, it. that's, that's a good observation. <clears throat> yeah, it's a lot like that. Um, but it was like, Let's Run was, it was almost ironic that like, you could just expect that everything was going to go
0: negative. Um, I I went on there, um, you know, when when uh, dude Matt Bowling in high school ran that time the nine, dude, what, what it, a freak, whatever, what a freak, right? I was like, this is amazing. I wonder what, and you know, it, it's polarizing He's a white kid, a high school kid, alone doing that, and then a white high school kid doing that. It's like, wow, what they say is about him, crazy. They yeah. were just like shitting on him. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I went on just <laughs> to see, they right? Mm. They're like, he's actually not that good. I was like, now he's you once in a four lifetime four that he had. He's the <laughs> great white Yeah. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The dude ran no, like nine point, and then ran like did that that split where what was like he ran down a kid who ran like forty seven five and a four hundred. He ran like forty five four or something crazy, and they're like, yeah, not impressed. Yeah. <laughs> not... Dude, I'm sh- yeah. So that's.
1: That's let's run, um, but yeah. So I tend to get like, like local competition. Like right now, I would say the guy who I'm fixated on, and I, it's yeah, it's it's a, it's pretty cool because it's it's always friendly competition, right? And I'm sure you have that with Bracken and and Magida and Hunter and Ryan mm-hmm. Kent, but um, local dude Jeff McGavro, he's um, he's a Missoula guy. We've, we've kind of been running parallel for a few years actually, and haven't, hadn't met until I moved here. But, um, I am proud to say that, uh, me and one other Hoka athlete petitioned and got him signed. So he just went from, uh, what I, what I announced to be the, the, best non-sponsored ultra runner in the country to now having a deal with Hoka. It can't so, be that.
0: Someone else is that. Yeah. Someone else is that now.
1: No, Yeah, someone else is that now. So we got him signed by Hoka. But he, anyway, he and I both, like, every once in a while, we'll, we haven't had many serious races, like races where both of us cared about it um, and we're running against each other, but we are both keeping score. We both understand that we're <laughs> very comparable athletes and we have a running tally of every time we compete against each other. We're like, all right, all right, you got this round. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so um, it's cool to have those where it is back yeah. and forth, and it's t- t- when I'm in those, it's just like weird to know what's gonna turn it one way or the other. It's like sometimes it's it's explainable, and sometimes it's just the way things fell that day. Yeah. Uh, um. So help me help me explain a little bit. Help me uh, understand since you are in both worlds, right? And some of the sponsors, that even like you, have are really solid and not and things that and not necessarily the brands that you would see in in like Spartan. And so I don't really quite know how well someone who was looking to be like a full time or at least somebody who's going to supplement their lifestyle as a trail or ultra runner, and how that would compare to someone in like the OCR space. Um, Because I think OCR races pay out pretty well. It seems like the payment payouts are pretty awesome, but the sponsorship deals might not be there. I mean, and I'm not quite sure, but like what's your experience in like both of those areas? Well, this is a question that everybody has
1: um, because we all have NDAs, right? It's like, I have a deal with Hoka um, and I can't talk about it. And I understand Mm -hmm, why they would do that. And I understand why Spartan would do that with every athlete they have and why every company would do that with every athlete they have. Uh, it makes total sense. On the other hand, I'm like, so interested in, uh, i it, it's so important for us to talk about it, um, about what deals each of us have. And frankly, I have like, you know, I've, I don't think Hoka would be surprised or upset to hear that I have absolutely violated my NDA, not publicly, but in having one-on-one conversations with people. Um, When I, right when I was, when I was beginning, when I was on the verge of signing with Hoka, first thing I did was call some of the athletes on the team and say, Hey, like, you know, this is the contract they pitched to me. Like, is this a low ball? Is this really good? Like, what do you think? And they were like, you know, I got the feedback from them and asked, asked them what to ask for in order to improve it. Hmm. um, And was able to kind of place it in a realistic context that way. Um, and I've done the same for aspiring athletes, tried to, you know, guys who I had some relationship with who weren't sponsored yet, um, talk to them about, you know, what to expect when they were getting ready to sign, um, what to ask for, what companies are probably going to omit, but they would get, if they asked for it. Um, Mm. and that's huge, man, because, you know, we want some of the bargaining power to go to the athlete. My sense in the difference between OCR and ultra or trail running is that it's, I don't know, man, maybe this is probably biased because I'm way more involved in the trail running world, but it seems like in OCR, it's much more like aspirational brands, like startup style brands who are trying to get exposure as opposed to Mm -hmm. in trail running, it seems like much more established brands who are, who are, who are sponsoring people. Like it, when I think of big sponsors and trail running, it's obviously like shoe companies, Hoka, Solomon, um, you know, goo energy, uh, you know, spring, um, ultimate direction. And then I think of OCR and it's like, what is beat elite, <laughs>
0: That's weird like, <laughs> human to the power of n yeah the yeah, uh, like what always where
1: yeah and what's VJ where like some what is VJ's singlet
0: virus like,
1: yeah what the hell is that like I don't know
0: no um, don't know yeah, don't know where I, I could buy it
1: yeah I don't know where I could buy a virus although you know <laughs> uh, my fiance is in the other room and just took a covid test she just had an exposure so I am I am like In fifteen minutes, I will know if uh, I'm I'm living with a COVID patient here. So stay tuned, folks. We'll see live on air. Um, Yeah, I don't. I don't. Have you been able to
0: to escape it so far?
1: So (laughs) far, and it's unbelievable considering how often I'm exposed.
0: Yeah, same. Um, Yeah. Well, my wife had it, and I and we didn't really change anything that we did, and I somehow didn't get it. That is wild.
1: Well, we'll see. Crazy how it works. Stay tuned, folks. but yeah, like so, my, my virus my dream, clothing. Yeah, yeah. My dream is to have a podcast, and maybe you can host it someday, where we have like a hundred athletes across OCR and trail ultra running. Hell, maybe road running and track too. Who just call in and break their NDAs and just say how much they <laughs> got, and then we get Jack Bauer, and he runs the statistics on it and compares times and and percentile in your sport and like what what you ought to ask for in terms of pay. And then maybe if everyone breaks their NDA on the same day, no one will get punished for it. Um, that's my dream. It's totally
0: not. I reasonable. think it's. I think it's. Well, it's an aspiration. You know, it's 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 lofty, which is a good goal. So I mean, right? There's no leverage from the athletes' perspective because of that, and like the athletes want what the sponsors can provide. So it's yeah, not there's only in, leverage if you have a power
1: offer. Right, right, and right. there's some Which, people who have leverage, right? like Jim Walmsley has leverage, he could ask for whatever he wants, and um, but for most of us, it's like we're so blown away by the idea of someone paying for plane tickets and giving us free gear. it's like, of course, I would do that and you don't squander
0: it, and it seems like it seems like could, it seems like you could lose it, real fast. it's like, all right well let's just give it to somebody else who because as athletes, who might not be on Walmsley's level it's like There's a lot of people who are kind of like me, you know, who could easily take
1: this. And that's the problem is because, because there are so many athletes like that, that that kind of bottom middle bottom and middle tier of, of quote unquote professional athletes end up taking a way worse deal than they probably need to. Um, Mm. It, all it would take is a, is a bunch of people to say no to a subpar deal for, a larger group of athletes to get a better deal. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I love Hoka and I think I'm on the right team and I want to be on this team for a long time. I I couldn't run for another shoe company and maybe I just ruined all my bargaining power by saying that. Um, <laughs> I'm so stoked to be on that team, but a, a really big part of me also has this dream of running Western States with like a bootleg t-shirt with a picture of Ken Griffey Jr. on it. Right. Like, I am so I'm I'm such a punk rock kid, right? Like I so deeply want to be unsponsored, and every time I resign, I'm like, "Am I financially stable enough to say no to this?" And the answer is always no. Um, shoes and, no. and plane tickets are such a big deal. Um, and as long as that's the case for enough people, companies are going to be able to get most of us for you know bordering on free.
0: And. There's going to have to be a shift in terms of what the sport, both the sports can like, what value they can provide to the general public, right? Like what, like, what are the athletes like? What kind of return would the oh, middle yeah. to lower tier athletes get?
1: Yeah. Well, right? it's, it's from also, from I mean, that's, public. that's, that's the other side of it is like, you know, if I were as good as I am in, in a major professional sport basketball, baseball, football, if I was in the percentile that I am in ultra running, I'd be a millionaire in any of the major sports. However, if you ask the question, Chris, how many shoes are you selling for Hoka? The answer is none. Well, maybe a half dozen. Some of the athletes that I coach buy Hoka. But compared to what they spend on plane tickets for me and giving me free shoes, I am a loss for them, 100%. I'm and like, the only people yeah. who are really making money for the company are, you know, Jim and Jared, Courtney, Killian. Uh, it's, yeah, That so it it, dep- it really depends on how you frame it. Like, you could be the best booger picker in the world, and no one <laughs> should pay you money for that, even if you're the best in the world, because you're not making any money or doing anybody any good by picking your nose the best in the world. Uh, and weirdly these obscure sports are this kind of middle ground. It's like, no, I'm not making any money for the company. I'm also really good at something. Uh, and it's like, but, but meanwhile, a brand does want to be affiliated with me kind of. And so it's like, I don't know. It's, it's this weird, tricky situation where the, you could, depending on the angle at which you look at it, you could justify a, of a, you know, a, a wide
0: range of pay rates. So I guess when you were saying that uh, to me, I was like, okay, then why would, why would brands bother with athletes at all? Right? Like, that's kind of the question. And it's always like the worry. Um, And it happens in OCR, at least like brands come in, it's like, all right, this is no good. We're out. But in trail running, it's like these big established brands from these. Yeah, I would say they're all pretty established brands. Do you think that there's just this a love for trail running that the companies and the people inside the companies want to see it prosper to the point where it's like, we're going to operate in this loss, but this is important work to get these athletes the out there and to have them pushing it. They need the support because this is a great community that we want to support.
1: I'm not so jaded as to think that there's nothing altruistic about it and that it's all an advertisement. I, I do think there are people, decision-making type people within these companies who believe that they have an obligation or if not an obligation that at least an opportunity to support athletes doing something that they care about. And I, I think that is a big part of it is they realize they've got a company that's generating money. They can justify paying some people, even if it's not a hundred percent financially sound and, and mm. therefore why not do that? I think, I think that is part of it.
0: Yeah, but, and that's probably why OCR it's so like, there's, I can't imagine many people who work are high decision makers or product line managers at Hoka have done a Spartan race, you know? And like the dude yeah. from VJ, he, VJ North America, he does, he is an OCR athlete, right? Like he's really? passionate about it. So yeah. Yeah. He's he in the um, Pacific Northwest.
1: Oh, cool. I met the, uh, the dude in, uh, Sweden. I guess he's from Finland, right? The, well, I met the, the grandson I think of the guy who started the company because it's a Finnish company, right? Right. Yeah. I I think they're from Finland and there's a dude whose grandfather started it. Maybe it was dad. I don't know, but he was out at ultra worlds in Sweden. Um, and he was hanging out and obviously kind of, you know, mingling with the Ryans and, uh, Aaron and stuff. Yeah. That was kind of cool to see. It's just kind of this down to earth dude. Um, what do you think about, man, do I want to go on record here? Um, what do you think about the new Spartan pro roster in terms of like,
0: I was going to ask you,
1: yeah, yeah, man, well, we're, uh, we're, so did you fall first
0: or did you fall in tier two or three? I didn't see
1: tier two. Cause you only have to have one good race.
0: It's your best tier race. Two. And I had one really good one. So I was tier two. Yes.
1: Um, yeah.
0: So you got the yeah. tier two from Asheville where you finished second place on the second. podium. That was awesome. Yeah. Woo. That was great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks, man. Yeah. So that got me tier two. I'm still looking at the, well, I don't, well, first of all, I think, I don't think I'm going to, I don't think I'm going to sign it because um, I, I don't think I'm in terms of schedule going to be able to race any of the national series this year. Uh, or the oh, elite bummer. series now. Yeah. I've got, um, the, I think all five dates have conflicts for me, so I don't think I can do it. So therefore I don't think I'll sign. Um, but it still, well, it made me, you know, they, it was phrased as like, well, I don't know. I mean, on the one hand, it's nice that they, it's much more transparent now and it's a merit-based thing and it's not as sort of speculative, um, on the other hand, it's like, well, speculative has always been a big part of it. Like, you want to look at towards somebody's upside in the future. Like, if someone comes in and shows a lot of potential, you want to be able to, you know, incentivize them to perform in the future, even if they haven't done it yet. Um, True. I don't know. I guess I'm kind of wondering, like, man, I wish we just had Atkins and a truth serum right now. Because it would be really nice to, like, ask what his financial deal was in 2019 and 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 compare that to what he's being offered at least publicly in
0: 2022 right like if there's not backdoor deals happening for for athletes like that which they very well might be there fucking um, should be dude because it's not it's
1: a travel stipend there's no base that's that's weird to me and i know spartan like spartan really wants to make it like it's ridiculous that Spartan is, was paying athletes in the first place. Like they're not a sponsor. They're a race organization. It's ridiculous that they were paying people base salary and travel stipends in the first place. But once you do, it's really hard to get out of it. They're trying to offload the obligation onto the sponsors. Um, which again, great. We're just in this weird middle ground right now where it's like, is it the case that in 2022, like just no one's really going to get paid to be an OCR athlete kind of looks like it. (laughs)
0: Well, that's the thing, like, say, what about the Golden Trail uh, Trail series that we said? Like, are they giving people, like, would that be something that happens in the trail world where a series would then pay an athlete X amount of dollars and get them to an event? Like, is that even a thing that happens or is it all that's sponsor-based? Actually, and just-
1: that's actually a really good comparison that I hadn't thought about. And I'll take it one step broader and go USATF um USA track and field if you qualify right. for the world championships or the olympics uh you your um that whatever getting there accommodations the whole thing is taken care of in some cases i think there's money on top of that but point being like if you qualify for a world championship type thing USATF takes care of it uh and i think golden trail series is the same thing i think i i I'm I not an expert on that series because it's subultran. I don't do that. But um, Yeah, it's I, I think it's the case that if you win the entry into their world championship thing, then your flight is covered there by them. So that's actually a good comparison to Spartan.
0: And and so from that perspective, I don't mind it. Like and it is it is a problem that they just gave to they did it backwards, right? They started to mm-hmm. give people too much money. They tried to make it seem like this big, awesome sport that everybody should do, and this pro team by having like these NBC races and everything. When it really didn't present the value to the public yet to to justify this type of cost that they, were. they they were trying to like prop it up as something that was bigger than what it was. It was too early. So like, really, they can take everything away. They they definitely can do that, right? Yeah, and it's yeah, painful it's, for the athletes who are in it.
1: Yeah, it's painful and, for the athletes that are in it. I wonder yeah. if they foresaw this. You know, it's, yeah, that's, um, you can, it depends on what organization you compare it to, right? If you compare it to USATF or Golden Trail Series or Formula One, which actually uh, mm-hmm. inside baseball is that Watson is constantly talking about Formula One. He's always like, watch, he's always but he, has making...
0: <laughs> he has Netflix.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nah, he's from Australia, man. He doesn't live in the US. So you got to assume he's really into Formula One it's just us over here. (laughs) But he's always thinking about, we always go back and uh, for those who don't know, I work for Spartan. He, he specifically is always kind of um, talking about different organizations and their relationship with the athletes. And so the kind of, I don't really know much about formula one, but um, you know, on the one hand you have something like that where it's a sponsor pays for basically everything. uh, And you're not being paid by formula one assume right. I'm wrong about part of that. I don't know. But on the other hand, it's like, you've got the UFC where you are paid by the UFC, which is much like what Spartan has been. You are paid by problematic. race organization body. And then there's a mm-hmm. the different sort of system like baseball and football and basketball where you're paid by a team, uh, mm-hmm. within the thing. So, um, you know, it's like: Are you paid by a sponsor? Are you paid by the the governing body, or are you paid by a team? Um, yeah, and I guess Spartans had the right. UFC model for a long time. And they're trying to get out of that.
0: Yeah, because that's because right now it, it seems like it would be the sponsorship model, right? Because there are no real teams. No team. Uh, there's no team race. There's no way that there's. Uh, like and that's like a profit sharing model that the um, professional sports do, right? Like all the teams make the same amount of money from like the the um, broadcasting deal. Like that's how they kind of profit share, and then it's like individual ticket sales and stuff like that. But that's different. Like so, then they're they're based on like a certain salary cap that everybody has, so everybody mm-hmm. kind of gets the same amount of money to spend. Um, so they're all kind of in it together. Where then the governing body, it's just like. The UFC, that's it's, it's problematic, and it's been a problem. Like That was the, the fight. Do you follow UFC at all? Uh, I mean, I'm literate in it, but I don't follow it. What's problematic about it? So the this past fight, this dude, Francis Ngannou, who's a heavyweight champion, he just beat yeah, this other dude who's an up-and-comer, and he held on to his championship. But it was the last fight in Francis Ngannou's contract, and oh. he said he's not going to fight for the amount of money that they're paying him anymore. Because, and like, there's no other leverage that he has. So he's either gonna have to like figure out to go to another or- organization um, and they're gonna alienate even their top athletes by not paying them what they, the athletes believe that they deserve. And that's the thing, it's like, then it's like, he says, she said, Francis and gunner's was like, I'm worth this much. And know, she's like, really, you're not. And the same kind of thing that's happening with Spartan and, and us where it's like, oh, it's you it's deserve even more, more and they're like,
1: it's even more clear in us, like in in Spartan, rather like like if you're if you were a race organizing, like I'm willing to throw this dude under the bus because he's such a good friend of mine. Why in the fuck <laughs> would you give a dollar to Aaron Newell? Like he's the <laughs> best in the world, and he has made it his job to talk shit about you. Why would they ev- Why wouldn't they ban him from racing? It's totally
0: like, what is he it's doing? Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> Like yeah, I don't, dude, he has they have no obligation to give him a dime and he's he Yeah, but, but still like on the like, on, Yeah. but he's on the pro team cuz he's fucking good. Uh and you know, this new system kind of protects him and in a way it's kind of cool of Spartan to like they put their they they kind of sacrifice themselves and that like Aaron is now free to talk shit as much as he wants cuz there's no favoritism played. Like they can't cut him because if he meets the bower the bower meter, then he's on the pro team. So same with,
0: same with Woods, right? Like Woods is also one of those characters that are kind of like gonna be outspoken and but he's tier one, it'd be easy for them. The higher ups probably be like, do we really wanna do this?
1: Do yeah. we really wanna we, have this? Really,
0: yeah. 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 And But if it fits in that criteria there then, and that's what I like about it, right? It takes, I like mm-hmm. the transparency. Um, it's like, it's weird to not know where you stand.
1: I, I do too. I like the transparency. I do what's lacking to me when I saw the email, I was like, no one's going to sign this, but I think that's just me. Um, because frankly, I signed a pretty speculative deal when I started with the pro team. Like I had a good relationship with Watson and he was super stoked about a relatively accomplished ultra runner coming into OCR. And he, so he did that, like, like this Mm -hmm. guy's done nothing yet but let's tease him. Let's get him over here. So I got a deal that is like infinitely better than, um, what I now am faced with. Um, mm. so I am maybe in a unique position to like kind of talk shit about what they just offered to people because it's way worse than I had before. Um, but you know, did I deserve that? I mean, it's like the, yeah, the, the paradigm shift of, of financial obligation is a, a growing pain for sure. Um, the more I think about it, the more I kind of respect it, but I'm probably not going to sign just cause again, this is like, this is my second sport. And I kind of have to be, I'm, I'm coming at it from a position of like, I don't care about this. I got enough. I, I do. I don't want to say I don't care about it, but, um, I got enough on my plate already. I got a sport that I care about. And if you want, oh, man, this is, comes off wrong, but if you want me to do this, you got to incentivize me to do it because the thing that I'll do for free is ultra running. You know, mm. I'll do that for free as long as I live and I will, it's going to happen. Um, and if the financial bottom dropped out of that, um, which not to say there's a financial bottom, I mean, it's like, whatever, but, uh, yeah, like if, if I never got another free shoe in my life for ultra running, I'm still doing it. But if mm. I don't get travel and accommodation and, a you know, meager appearance fee for doing OCR, it's like, well. You know, I wasn't planning on being there in
0: the first place, but there's no reason to not take it expect from, from your perspective. Like the tier two is, yeah, you get X amount of dollars for travel stipend. You get some opportunities to do, make some, um, I guess there are some obligations to like post some stuff, I guess, but there's some opportunities maybe to get some other media stuff. It seems pretty, pretty low.
1: Uh, it was ambiguous that I, that, to me, it was pretty clear that that's going to get fleshed out in the actual contracts. It was like ah, right. It was like uh, all all the media stuff was very, very ambiguous, and it'll get fleshed out because it was like up to this and right. you know long form this, and and uh, they didn't even they not only did not include whether this is social media obligations on your own social media or to be used by Spartan directly. They didn't even say that we were right. obligated to race. So a lot of this will come out in the actual fine print of a contract, but it's totally worth it if you're already planning to go to those races, but it's absolutely not incentivizing. If you weren't planning to go to the race, like what good is what good is a free plane ticket to go to a race that I wasn't going to go to in the first place? It it, it doesn't matter.
0: Yes, totally. But it also like that money's not going to be used elsewhere. Like no one's going to fill your spot. So like if you're, you not taking it, it's not helping out another athlete, right? It's just like, more, less that Spartan has to do, but maybe that's, but, but I don't know what the obligations are going to, what they're going to want in terms of races. They're going to want you to show up to Like if you're going to get this stipend or whatever, you have to show up to three out of five or something like that. Um, which yeah. they very well, well might do.
1: Historically they've given, they've paid, which is, this is weird compared to every deal that I've ever seen in trail running. Historically they have given money upfront that is kind of calculated to be a, a very slightly generous Um, amount to cover the travel to your obligated races. So, if you're supposed to race five races, they'll give you like they'll give you the amount of money that should cover all your flights to get to those races. Um, but so for the the amount, I feel like it's going to be reimbursed, and that's how it is everywhere else. It's always reimbursed. The Mm. fact that Spartan Mm -hmm. paid it up front is really weird, Uh, and I I, doesn't. Mm -hmm. I, I suspect they're not doing that anymore this year, but I don't know. It's that like, again, that wasn't part of it. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's tricky. Like from, from my perspective where I'm standing, like I don't, I like it because I'm not in it as much anymore. I'm not doing Spartan so much that mm-hmm. I can look back and not be emotionally tied to like who's where or where I stand within this organization. That's like, Really been kind of hard to deal with on that perspective, like for the past couple of years, like not knowing what's what, and you know, never really being a major player to them or having any type of communication that, like, beyond just free races. Which at the time I was more than happy with. Yeah, you know? so from great. that, pre- free races are great, and like it at least gives the, the athletes the ability because that the 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 a huge barrier is just how much these races cost for like younger athletes to get into this sport. You know, and like I think that that it's a that's a big problem for the sport is that it's expensive, um, totally. And for people coming out of college or something like that, they're not going to to even do one race is a big ask, let alone doing traveling to get to four or five. So at least if you can take out the you know four hundred bucks in total entry fees, which be for like three or four races or something like that, like at least that's something.
1: I know, um, man. Like the free. <sighs> Like, I was in Seattle uh, in September. Uh, I wasn't working in the race. I just happened to be there. I'm, you know, from there. So I was passing through, and I was there on the weekend when they had the trifecta weekend. And Mm -hmm. uh, hopped in all three races. And it turns out that most of the guys I was competing with there were not pro roster athlete. But, you know, good dudes. Nick Mask or whatever. Nick Mask
0: and Vince Bukowski. Yeah, they're, like, my dudes.
1: Yeah, Yeah. legends. Those guys are so good. It took a, I, I, they, they beat me in one race. I beat them in one. I don't know how, something like that. Um, but I was out there like, dude, I'm doing these things for free. Like there's a dude. Yeah. I'm maybe I'm in first and he's in second. And he spent 240 bucks to get into this race. And I just fucking hopped in with a free pass, Like, man, that's a bummer.
0: And, and those are the dudes particularly who I'm talking about. They're both like 20 20- six to 24 or something like that. Yeah. Like really talented. Only were able to do a couple of races this year, but they luckily are on like the development team or whatever they have. Right. Which I yeah. do, which I'm happy that they have that as well. It's like, okay, you're not on the pro team, whatever, but it's literally the same thing as tier three, the development team or whatever. So they're yeah. still giving those people races, but it's just, what do you find? What do you find? It's, the always athlete, been a, right?
1: it's always been a weird balance in terms of like, it's, it's you're rewarded if the, If you're super, super dedicated to it, if it's your lifestyle and if you're really committed to running tons of these races, then yeah, then you can rely on going around and winning a bunch of prize money and making the thing worth it. But man, it's, uh, I don't know for, for doing it as kind of a one-off now and then and, um, not expecting to win big prize money at a series event. It's it's kind of a tough ask.
0: So you think that Spartan would lose those athletes, like say, say a guy like Vince or whatever, like mm-hmm. who now lives in Colorado, like Spartan might lose those athletes to trail runners, to trail running, to ultra running, right? Cause there's more access and a little bit easier to, to, to compete in than Spartan. So do you, Maybe. Like, to me, that, that that's going to push the athletes who would do Spartan into trail or ultra.
1: Maybe. And that's, that's potentially a a downside to cutting a lot of the prize money at the regular season events is because now, um, and I might be wrong about some part of this, but like there's really no major prize money to be gained outside of an, uh, elite series race. Um, but meanwhile, you can't be in the elite series unless you qualify to get into the elite series. And so there's like a lot of sort of paid, racing with no payoff that you have to do in order to get into a situation where you could earn money. This might like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, kick this down the road a few years and like maybe once Atkins and Woods and all the Ryans and once the the field is kind of phased out, the guys who we have now, maybe some of them have retired. I don't know if this, if the elite field is going to repopulate as fast as it fades at this point. Because there's really not a lot of incentive for the guys who uh, aren't
0: already in the elite field. That's what I worry about. That's really what I'm worried about, right? Like how to get the younger athletes in. How is it? How are the? How are younger athletes resonating with uh, trail running? Are there younger athletes getting into the ultra stuff now? Hell are there kids oh yeah! Coming out of college.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Is it a problem? No, are dude. they awesome? <laughs> They're awesome, dude. Well, I'm not that <laughs> – n- none of us who have been in it for a while, I speak like an old veteran here, but, like, we're not that worried about them because, on, on the one hand, like, it's, it's always a little threatening when someone with a high-quality collegiate background comes into the sport because they are better runners than us. But mm-hmm. there's an X factor that one in a hundred of them have. Like, if you take – if you took all of the – if you took the top hundred guys and women or whatever from – uh, D1 Nationals and put them all in a 100 miler, I wouldn't like oh, all, all 100 of them would beat me in a cross country race and I wouldn't mm. put my money on any of them against me in a 100 miler because same the odds that they have the metabolism, uh, the resiliency of muscle, um, the ability to digest on the fly, like, you know, leaving out things like problem solving and, and mental fortitude fortitude. Cause I'm sure they're tougher than I am, but like the, literally the ability to digest weeds out 99% of people. Um, <laughs> once you get, and once the numbers are high enough, obviously some people trickle through Jim was a good college runner. Hayden was a good college runner. Matt Daniels was a good college runner, but on the whole, like if that whole population moved into ultra running, you know, it would make a dent, but it wouldn't totally change the scene. Um but yeah, I mean they're it's cool, like these golden ticket races that I keep coming back to like the the obsession with western states is real, and when you go to these golden ticket races, it's all unfamiliar faces it's like a couple dudes who you've seen before you know who've gotten one before, who are sponsored, who have been around a while, and then it's all these like twenty four twenty five year old kids who are going hmm. out putting it all on the line, and a lot of them are winning um and then they get to Western States and eat shit, but eh, maybe they can hold it together over hundred K, but yeah, it's really cool to see, man. Like it, the turnovers, um, the turnover is real. It's going on seriously right now. There's a lot of new faces. Um, yeah. And, and everyone's pretty pumped about it. Like the, the general consensus is we're going to these competitive races and seeing a
0: lot of new people and everyone's pumped. How, um, how many times do, does, a high-level collegiate athlete need to get worked on the trails or an ultra before they're just like never mind. Like how many times, how many races they need before you are like, okay, this person might actually stick.
1: Um, man, there's every scenario in that. Like there's cases where they come in and do amazing on their first time, and it looks like this person's going to be an ultra runner, and they never recreate the magic, and they do four or five more races. They all go poorly and they bail forever. There's times Mm -hmm. when they come in, it doesn't go super well. Um, They do, you know, two or three races. They're kind of, you know, back of the elites and aren't anything special. And then they pull it together and become super great. Um, And and everything in between, like it's uh, it's unpredictable. It can take a long time. You can get lucky first time. If you, you do get lucky first time, sometimes people sustain it. Sometimes they don't. Um, I don't think there's a rule on that.
0: Is there like, uh, a sense that the community want, like, and like, yeah, speaking of you as like an old grizzled vet, like, do you want them to stay? Do you want new people? Like, is there concern about like, this is the whole thing I've been talking about this whole time. I'm concerned about what happens down the road, right? With OCR, like, are these athletes going to stay? Are there going to be, are there going to be more people to come in? Is there that same feeling in trail running or do you think people are just gonna be drawn to go and see what their body's capable of in nature for like ever
1: that uh there's there's um there's some concern I think there's a general understanding that ultra running will eventually humble you, so we're not that we're like we we talk a lot in the ultra running world about triathlon personalities, so like if someone like hyper type a people. Yeah, just like people who are making it more of a competitive and antagonistic atmosphere than it needs to be. Like, right. Sometimes some Ironman type people will come in and talk some shit. Like, you know what? That's not what we need in this sport. Inevitably, those people get humbled. Like, you don't have to run 300 milers for one of them to go so poorly that you question yourself (laughs) and become a much more humble person. Um, So, there is a natural filter there. Like, a lot of a lot of the garbage gets taken out at the front end. Um, mm-hmm. on the other hand, so, but there, you know, there is a little bit of, uh, aversion to that type of person. We see that sometimes we're not that worried about it. Um, but on the other side of it is like, we're always looking for more people. Um, it's yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, a culture that kind of self-defines and if you've been in it for, um, it doesn't take that long to be in it and have your heart be in the right place. It does tick me off a little bit. I don't know if I've ever used that phrase, um, but <laughs> like when people come into the sport and and do you know one or two races and then sign up for a golden ticket race, because they're like, I want to do Western. Like how long have you been running ultras? Like I started six months ago. I just, I want to do Western as soon as possible. If you were to ask those people, or it's not everybody, a lot of people are, you know, respectful of the tradition, but like, if you're going to run Western States to honor that race, which you should, you got to know a little bit about it. Like you should be able Mm -hmm. to name some of the past winners more than Jim and Courtney, uh, like Mm -hmm. to, to appropriately engage with that race you need to have an understanding of the lore of that race. Like you need to, you need to have legends in your mind whose footsteps you are retracing. Um, and you know this isn't selfish. Like they're taking our spots. It's just they're like, in order to do that race properly on a personal level, like you're you're missing out big time if you haven't been obsessing over that race for years. Because the catharsis of getting to that start line after you've devoted a long, long time to getting there is unlike anything else in our sport. Like, Hmm. go to UTMB. Like, it's competitive as hell, and it's relatively easy to get into. Relatively. It's not easy to get into, but it's relatively easy to get into from a lottery standpoint. Like, go there. Beautiful setting. Run hard. Hard course. Super competitive. Go do that one. But Western States, man, like, you you need to you need to do your research and, and have a little bit of respect for the tradition before you do that one.
0: That's interesting. I like, that's when people say they want to, I, I don't know if people do this as much anymore, but OCR, they do that. They're like, I want to be a podium in the world championships or something like that. And they never like run. <laughs> They're like not even athletes. Yeah. So it's like, tr- like one thing to make the big leagues to with, without the respect or without needing to know like what, what it actually takes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what a ta- like, like good on you for wanting to do
1: the competitive thing, but Western States is more than just competitive. There's another layer on that race. Like if you just want to be competitive, don't start with Western, like get there eventually learn, learn the other things about that race. It is competitive, but it's also so much more. And if you just started ultra running and want to go to Western, cause it's competitive, you're missing out on the most important part of it. Um, so that I, I, that that's the one little pet peeve I have about the, the kind of highfalutin, uh super hot shot youngsters come into the sport. Love them. I you know I, I don't think I was one of them, but I I I love it when fast people come into the sport, but you know, there's there's a there's like a deep underbelly that you kind of have to get a feel for before engaging in certain
0: races. That being one of them. It's just it's just protective of the culture, right? And that's that is a very ultra mentality like the culture and the meaning seems to be like deeply rooted in the people who stick with it, and they really kind of get it. And, you know, that's something I'm not in that world. So I I, I can kind of understand it just talking to guys like you and just people who are doing it. But like, I, I haven't experienced it fully myself. So when a trail like are trail runners, and ultra runners, are they like born? <laughs> or are, like, you made to be an ultra runner?
1: I don't know. Well, first of all, to wrap up that, like protective, protective of a culture. Like we are both protective of the culture while simultaneously wanting everyone to be a part of it. Like it's Mm -hmm. not, it's not, it's not an elitist club that has a limited membership. It's like, everyone should be a part of it. As long as, you know, as long as you, as long as you're not diluting what we've
0: made me, you understand the (laughs) the value that needs to be value that needs to be shared. Right. And should be shared, but it's like, as long
1: as we don't turn this into, an Ironman race, you know, there's like, right, there's a certain like weird little fucked up thing about it that, you know, we want everyone to be a part of, but there's like a certain sort of dues paying you have to do before you get there. Um, yeah. All right. Anyway, we can move on from that. Um, what was the question after that?
0: What did did, (laughs) like, (laughs) I think more just on the emotional side of ultra running, like it seems like people are just meant to do it and maybe others might not be. Do you feel like that is the case or like, do people really get wrapped up and like slowly get into the culture and the experience or is it just like, this person's going to be this way no matter what?
1: Maybe to some extent, I think it's a little, well, everything's a little bit of both. I think there are some things that are unavoidable. Like what? What about me? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Were you born, were you born for it? Were you like, I'm, would you have found ultra no matter what route? Like, even if you don't like run in high school,
1: you have to be both like, you have to be both interested in and, and suited for it. Right? Like there are guy again, there, are, there are many, 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 many runners who are better than me, but who can't keep blood going to their stomach 17 hours into a race. <laughs> it's a very weird physiological thing that happens. Um, man, uh, here's a tangent. So, um, they, uh, gut composition, gut microbiome composition is kind of a hip topic right now. Um, mm. this, uh, my buddy, Patrick Reagan was part of a study at Western States in 2019 when he ran it. Um, basically they did a analysis of his, uh, the composition of his mu- gut microbiome. So the different bacteria is in there and, and they the percentage of their reputa- representation in the overall population of his stomach. So, uh, I don't know, fucking different bacteria are, are good for processing different types of nutrition. Right. And, okay. uh, apparently that's important. Right. So they did the study on him and they've apparently got data on this going back. And like, there's a, a type of, uh, bacteria in your gut that is especially good at processing lactic acid right or maybe it was just like the ability of your body to shuttle lactic acid from your muscles into your stomach and digest it as fuel which is a thing everyone can do it but not everyone can do it super well so they've got this skill, oh, ch- right Cause, yeah
0: because like, lactate well, would be in your blood and eventually that would be in your yeah. gut so like if your gut can't take that there's something yeah, yeah there must be some bacteria in there that okay i'm with you
1: Yeah. So if you're, I don't know what happens if your gut can't take it, but at least there's an opportunity in there because there's nutritional value in that. And if you can process that as fuel, that's a huge benefit, not a scientist. Um, (laughs) but they've got the scale of athletes that they've tested and it's shown, you know, they do ultra or they do Ironman triathletes and shit like that. And, um, they've got the scale they've developed from like, you know, a total nobody to a super elite athlete of how effective your body is at, taking lactic acid out of your muscles, putting it in your stomach and digesting it as fuel. So they've got the scale and it's like the highest it, imagine it like a VO two max test, like where, you know, mm-hmm. the average person's like a 40 or a 50 and the highest people ever tested are like high eighties and nineties. Right. Mm-hmm. So imagine that if that's, I don't know what the numbers were on this scale, but imagine like a civilians, a, a 40 and a super, super athlete is a 90. Um, they tested, Pat Reagan and I don't think they tested a lot of 100-mile uh, ultra runners. They tested Pat Reagan and if it was that same scale, Pat's like a 700. It broke the scale. <laughs> He's categorically oh a different athlete. He has a there's a his body is it doesn't fit into the paradigm established by the scale. So there's something different going on. And so that's that's the thing about when you ask like are you born for it or or do you grow into it? Like some people's bodies will never be able to do that. Even if you are super interested in the sport, you love the idea of running hundred milers. You just can't go longer than three hours, and then your your body just stops being able to process food. And then some people, like you, just have the thing that allows you to do it. Because it's again, it's not just about running. Uh, you have to be able to continue to fuel, and that's the big X factor.
0: Now, this is really interesting. Because now, since it is getting competitive, and they're like, I didn't know about that study, that's, that's really interesting that they're able to then put some sort of test and some sort of measure on an athlete. Because yeah, the the microbiome, I know, no, I think it's fair to say nobody really knows anything, even like what's being studied so far that can't, we don't really know how to manipulate it and everything. But is there coach, any way? Is there any way we can block Corinne Malcolm from
1: listening to this podcast? Because she'd be so mad for speculating. For oh my god! Like yeah, <laughs> but we're
0: gonna we're we're gonna keep we're gonna keep it going. The, Just keep uh, going, man! I'm pouring so, another beer. Do it. So, and like, yeah. as a coach, then, if are, are there going to be ways that you and like? the Chosky collective or whatever, are, are going to be able to then test an athlete how well their gut composition is and potentially change it with like a, introduction of a specific cocktail of probiotics or this or that that can help get people to what like a Patrick Regan had or is that even on the radar for like, because I, I think the microbiome is so personalized that it's really hard to manipulate in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, internally. So uh, like, is that conversations that like athletes and coaches are having? My, uh, uninformed, um,
1: but interested understanding of gut microbiome is that interventions are very, very temporary. Like if you take a probiotic pill, that's not chain, that's not fundamentally changing the composition of your gut. Like maybe for, Mm -hmm. maybe for a few minutes, but things in there are reproducing so quickly that you're going to go back to, uh, a baseline natural to you really, really quickly. Like, I'm not saying it doesn't help. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't think interventions like that are effective in the long term. could be wrong. Maybe they are. I don't know. Maybe if you got really, really involved with it and took a really well calibrated probiotic supplement every 10 minutes for several weeks, you could, totally reset your rhythm. I don't know. You heard of poop transplants. They do this fecal transplants. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they take other people's shit with a healthy gut microbiome and put it up someone else's butt in a pill. No, you you eat it. Actually, you put it in a pill and you eat it. So you can, you can reset a gut microbiome for someone who has an unhealthy one. Um, but I don't know, like under training load or under race load, like, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know the, if the, I don't know how much it's important like what your status was at the start of the race. You know, I feel like things happen when you're racing hmm. that God damn, I'm not a scientist.
0: Yeah. I see what you're saying. So like it might not matter what you are at rest versus what you are at my, at like yeah, hour seven.
1: Yeah. Your body might do something under stress. It doesn't really matter how many probiotics you took in the last several weeks before the race.
0: That's interesting. Cause this is then, but I don't
1: know how but my- in terms of like in terms of like coaching that, I don't know. I mean, we even if we haven't had the metrics for it, we've understood this for a long time. Like you, you, you can take, just tell. You can just tell. Like if someone who's a really good runner enters a 50 miler and can't make it work, tries another one, has a different eating protocol. Like there's some people who they're running for two hours, they start to take gels and they just start puking. It's like good luck, buddy. Yeah. It's never going to work out for you. Um, yeah. And then some people try a couple different brands of gel or try a liquid thing, and it works a little better. And then you find something that works. So we've all we've understood forever that the gut is a is one of, if not the most significant factor in ultra running success. But the the study that Pat was involved with is just kind of a cool. Um, you know, it's more than anecdotal, right? It's not just, just proof. It, they, right. They they proved something about his gut is
0: different. So which might be the first step in, in how to then replicate it, you know, yeah. I'm sure it's generations away, right? But that yeah. would be real interesting if that could be uh, a technology that could be developed or a, a measurement that if you could take a test and, and you know, change your diet or, or whatever and see how you retest kind of how it would be like regular blood work for ferritin levels or whatever, see yeah. how like, things kind of yeah. change. What beer, what, what beer are you drinking? It looks good. It looks like a quality one. Dude,
1: this beer, Degar. Um, Degar. Oh, it's a beer Degar? Uh, beer Degard. Uh, I don't think it, it... No, it's technically a Belgian triple. Um, oh, shit. This, this one took me a while to find. There's this uh, beer bar in the town where I went to college, Claremont. They serve all Belgian shit, and they've got apparently a good relationship with the distributor because they you've got everything. Um, and they, I found this there like several years ago, loved it and never saw it again. Um, are you into Belgian beer at all? Do you know
0: anything about it? It's, it's, it's kind of my favorite. There's a, a bar cool. here in Philly called monks. That's like, fuck yeah. Right, I know monks. Like, monks is the shit. You know, monks legitimately oh, yeah. like I could throw a rock and hit it from my apartment. No, oh. dude, I'm coming it's, over. It's awesome. I'll be there in six hours. It's amazing. Well um, Moving to De- good moving to Denver in like ten days. So if you could get here, we can okay. go to Monks. Okay,
1: we'll do it. Um, so this is uh do you know Pirat then? Like the beer with the pirate ship on it. Pirat P I R A A T and oh, yeah. Golden yes. yeah. that- Pirat and Golden yes. Drock.
0: Are those triples are or are they the-
1: those are Are they golden triples. strongs? Uh I don't I can't define the difference, but they're you're in yeah. the right wheelhouse there. So somewhere in there, yeah. Same brewery as those, but this is like a special beer for a particular brew pub in Bruges or Brussels, I'm not sure. And it's like... Oh, shit. It's just, it's kind of, um, I do know, it's, it's one that they make and isn't always distributed. And I've been like trying to find it for years and just found it. I'm
0: pretty stoked about it. How is it? As good as I remember. It's super good. <laughs> this is a special occasion. I feel, I'm like excited that you're drinking that while you're talking to me this makes me Dude. happy like come to, on well i, I thought i was going, going on Rich roll so oh <laughs> oh yeah yeah common <laughs> <classic> mistake, mistake. <laughs> common mistake that <laughs> that happens that's how i get yeah. most of the guests yeah um, oh
1: um turns out i'm covid negative we figured that one nice there? congrats least, yeah, so we're good. yeah thank you
0: what um what's been new with coaching what how's your training been it seems like you're fit like what have you been up to
1: uh, it's been a little interrupted but lately it's been really good um, I don't know man like I get into kind of periods where I feel like I'm slogging all the time um, but uh, one of the ways I tend to get myself out of that is by mixing up the type of running that I'm doing and so in um, Maybe last month, I did a lot more speed work, like marathon pace stuff. Maybe a little slower than marathon pace, but still kind of an aggressive pace. Um, kind of trying to play the long game for the uh, 100K World Championship, which I continue to say that I'm training for, but have not been selected for yet. But I think that <laughs> I will be going to the World Championship and the 100K on the roads. Um,
0: on the road, And
1: so yeah roads so uh i'm that's my a goal for the year so i've been doing a little more speed work Um, speed works like you know just sub six so it's something i've been sustained for a really right not an easy yeah not an easy run like kind of steady state stuff um yeah and that tends to invigorate like once you're if you're in a big high mileage block and you just are out there slogging every day. You can end up getting really sluggish, um, and I mean, this is kind of like one of the basic premises of CrossFit, right? You have to continually mix it up in order to feel mm-hmm. consistently invigorated by the work. So, whenever I start to feel a little sluggish, I just turn a switch and change the type of work that I'm doing. Um, hmm. So I'll, you know, start doing some more speed work, and then and then go back into some more high high mileage stuff. But, dude, honestly, like. The older I get, the more consistently sluggish my running feels, and I don't—I've learned not to care that much about that and just enjoy the time out there, even if I'm not feeling fast. But this week I have had a pep in my step, and I've just been so stoked to be out there. Um, so it's—I feel like it's turning around, and I'm starting—I'm in a really good rhythm right now. It's feeling
0: really good. So just when, in when time you, for you get- August. <laughs> Right. I was going to say, when you get in those when those, uh, in those modes where you're like, all right, I'm feeling good, I'm feeling ready, do you try to pounce on it and get into a race or does it just happen when it happens and then like you'll just train until you need to race? I
1: try to take advantage of it in training. Like if I start to feel really good, then I'll say, you know what? Well, we were planning this many miles this week. Let's add a few more or like you were planning oh. an easy run today, but you feel great. So, hey, it looks like it's a progression run today because you're speeding up and you feel great mm. about it. So you, you always, like, with any training, man, like whatever you are into at the moment, you have to take advantage of that because that's the thing that you're going to work the hardest at. If, if, you, if the schedule calls for a long run, but you if, are some crazy person and just really need to go run 200s that day, if you go run that long run, you're going to do a bad job at it. And if you go to the track and do those 200s, hmm. you're going to do a good job at it. And if you can string together, you know, good workouts, no matter what they are, that's going to be better for you than doing the right thing poorly. So you know, it, within within reason, right? Like you don't want to do 200 repeats every day leading into a hundred miler, but I think hmm. the fact remains that uh, right. yeah, you, you you if your body's giving you a signal that it wants to do something, you should pay attention to that because that's going to keep you invigorated in the long run, and that's what pays off is consistency over time.
0: And it also seems like, okay, oh, there's, there's, uh, yeah, there's yeah, like, yeah, um, yeah. I, uh, I try to balance this too, right? When, when, if I see an athlete who I'm coaching doing something that uh-huh. like CrossFit's a good example, right? Like people feel like they want to lift or go hard and cross and they just do it. And I'm like, okay, that wasn't exactly what we were trying to do, but I'm trying to get this balance between like, what is making someone happy, you know, and yeah. what is, What's something that that they that I think they physically might need, and that might not be that. And like what you're saying, it's like it might not be that different. It's like they might physically yeah, need. Yeah, it might not be that different. What's and happy, happy
1: happy and design should come to should be together, right? Like athletes should be continuing to inform you of what they want. Like you should keep asking them. Like yo, we're moving into the next training block. What do you feel like's missing? What are you itching to do? And they say mm-hmm. something. You're like, all oh, right, I can build that in. You work that into the next training block. You focus on that because if they're interested in doing it again, they're going to do a better job at it. And that's, you know, if you
0: do a better job at a workout, it's better for you. And You're doing a better job as coaching. And that's like the part where, yeah, it's like, what's going to make you feel ready. And I feel like it's, if yep. they feel, or if I feel like something is what I need it, and then it's going to work better, even if it's yep. might be no other basis behind beh- behind it besides I wanted to do it. <laughs> I yeah. wanted to make it feel yeah. like it was what I wanted. What's yeah. your, how has it.
1: your training changed for now that you're kind of focused on, I don't know the extent to which you were focused on. Well, I guess you did CrossFit and stuff, but like, and then you did more OCR and now you're kind of found this middle ground because they invented a sport for you. Um, yeah, it's
0: great. It's fantastic. Yeah, so
1: how has training um, changed for you over time? Actually, I wanted to ask you this about high rocks and decafit and stuff like, they're both clearly very arbitrary, right? It's like a prescribed list of exercises in a controlled environment. Is that, like, do you see that changing? Does that get set in stone? Like, is it basketball or hockey where the rules are always the same over years? And then, you know, maybe there's some rule changes down the road, but like how stable do you see these things being? Cause
0: they're brand new. Yeah, so not incredibly because there can be competitors that can come in and just and just change the rules you know and might be something that is more suited like say like you and i just wanted to start a a a hybrid race quote unquote we could just be like all right this hybrid race has pull-ups in it and it's a mile between uh set of things like there's room for other place other competitors come in and kind of take the same concept and just kind of change it a little bit um I think that Hyrox wants it to be like this is our thing, this is what it's going to be. But you're right, it is arbitrary, right? It can't. I mean, totally you can change. say the same about
1: the SFL, right? It's still, football.
0: Well, right? yours I...
1: is still speed lifting.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, that's what. Well, CrossFit is essentially a race, right? Same thing. Like this is a yeah. very much derivative from CrossFit. I feel like. That's true. It's just CrossFit. Cross it with like more of an endurance spin.
1: Yeah, it, so. I guess I'm just I'm waiting for like where it lands in terms of, uh, and maybe it won't, and that'd be amazing if it didn't. And there's just const- like there's all these different companies that have different types of types of uh, races, and maybe maybe I should be comparing it more to running than to like sports where you define the sport and those are the rules. But uh, yeah, it's like. I, it, it, I mean, it is. I'm sure people who were around for the origins of baseball thought the same thing. It's like, well, why the fuck are there three bases? You know, like why why aren't right. there eight? You know, why like why are you pushing a sled and why is the weight that and how why is it that many burpees with a weighted tube thing or whatever it's called?
0: And and the rules change in basket in all sports, right? Rules change in basketball. There was a sure. three point line introduced in like the 80s, right? Yeah. It's like, all right, this is now. A thing that didn't exist um so being new i think there is going to be flexibility too i think the concept is good i think that 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 there's some staying power in this idea of being able to be strong and being able to have good endurance and being fast i think that that's a desirable thing for somebody to want to have Um, Mm -hmm. so i think the concept of it is is gonna stick Um, i think so too i love it i I think it's so so cool especially for someone
1: you know uh i mean guys like you guys like kent guys like i mean the the same people we've been talking about this whole time it's like where is their sport because when when crossfit games happen there's always all this discussion about well you know they the way the uh the way the obstacles were chosen or the exercises Mm -hmm. were chosen for this this uh particular competition really favors the guys who are good at uh you know strength-based stuff or or the tall guys are going to be really good at this one uh because there's two exercises where you want to or whatever it is but um yeah it is cool to see him hone in on a thing where you know guys like you and my friend julian can be well served because again homeboy is a freak athlete and i've seen him be uh you know, D3, well, (laughs) D3. I've seen him, you know, as an NCAA collegiate runner and then also then, you know, deadlift and squat and bench press probably more
0: than any D3 athlete ever has. (laughs) Right. And that's where, like, I think it has an advantage for, because I think athletes like myself or Kent got into OCR thinking it was. I can say for myself, I thought OCR was going to be like more like a decafit or hyrax in terms of like the stimulus and in terms of like the training when really it's more like trail running and ultra running, not necessarily ultra running, but it's more, it's a, it's a, it's a trail run with some grip strength stuff, you know, so if you're not, that's why
1: I'm good at it. That's why woods is good at it. It's yeah. Right. There's still that, that, I mean, it's still very much a runner's game
0: and as specific runner, right? Like, yeah. Like I, like I'm an example of someone who's fast on the roads, but then on trails, like I don't have that, like I haven't been able to practice that skill or be in it or have the access to really improve upon my running ability on technical terrain, um, where the hybrid space, it kind of takes that out. Like where I would want to spend time in the weight room or doing gym stuff, I would probably be needing to be on the trails. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Huh. Well, I think it's cool, man. I think it's a really cool new side of the sport that I will never <laughs> get into because I can't get into the shoot. <laughs> but, uh, no, man, it's, it's super rad. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, I speculate about it because it's like, it, it's, Jesus, get out of here. Um, Cats are getting in the way. Um, it, it's it's brand new, and when something's brand new, it obviously comes across as arbitrary. It's like, why did they choose these exercises, these exercises, and this equipment and this order? But uh, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Like, it'll we'll look back in ten years and wherever it is at that point, I know. Be, obviously it'll feel like a logical uh, progression.
0: But hopefully, um, it won't be like remember that thing that was weird that they had that thing for a couple oh, of years. do say like, that. Let's say that. What was it called? <laughs> Yeah, that's what it does. Um, what do you got coming up next then? What's your next event?
1: Um, I am going to Jacksonville to put on the trail race for Spartan there. So I'll probably hop in uh, and race OCR. Um, still a little prize money in the elite heat there. It's an age group right. national series race, but I, I'll do the elite thing, I think. Um, and then uh, Nine Trails, which is my old hometown race in Santa Barbara. Just as kind of a tune-up. The big ones this year are Canyons, uh, Canyon 100 K, which is part of the UTMB World Series, um, and we're sending a big Missoula crowd down there. So Jeff McGavro, the guy I was talking about earlier, my my arch nemesis, was, and then the guy who is, and then the guy who is so much better than both of us, Adam Peterman, <laughs> who won Speed Goat and JFK this year, uh, and is also a good friend and lives here in Missoula. Um, so man, we're we're kind of we're we're throwing a lot at this one. Um, Missoula's coming down and trying to trying to make a bold statement at a pretty competitive race. So um, it's canyons and then uh, and then world hundred k. Assuming that uh, assuming I get selected.
0: Where's that at? Berlin, baby. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna ask if you were, and I guess it's road. So, um, which is that's where the fastest like road marathon is? Is it, or, is it intersect?
1: I, you know, I've been casually investigating where the course is. I think it does overlap. I think part of, I think we're going to do a 10K loop. They haven't really announced, but I, my sense is we're going to do some sort of loop that is most of it's part of the Berlin Marathon course. So it should be wicked fast. 10K loop However, on the road. Oh, dude, if you wanted to not be bored, then you shouldn't have started my sport. also it's like who gives a shit it's like between six and seven hours like i can handle that whatever totally yeah um 10 times who cares yeah so um yeah i don't know It, it should be fast but it's also august and berlin is not cold in august so it should be should be hot maybe might be a little bit of a factor probably no records being set set there and maybe something or someone like me who's a little more uh trail experienced and used to some external variables
0: might have an advantage somewhere where there's going to be yeah. a little
1: bit of heat. Yeah, no problem we'll solving.
0: Um, and what about uh, Spartan trail? What do you guys got? What do you guys got cooked up this year? What can we yeah, expect so to see?
1: We kind of, we cut back a little bit on uh co-located stuff. Um, so you're going to see fewer of those, you know, you know, the ones that are paired up with an obstacle course race. Um, main reason for that is we felt we wanted to add, you know, we wanted to do as many as possible, but, we kind of ran into an issue where we, I mean, to be quite honest, we started throwing them in places that didn't really deserve a trail race. You know, when you think trail Mm -hmm. race, you want scenery, you want a beautiful venue. Mm -hmm. Um, and so this year we kind of dialed in on that and only are putting trail races in places where you want to run a trail race. So places like big bear, Austin, um, Palmerton places that are actually really scenic Mm -hmm. and have good trails to run on Montana. Um, So that's where we're going to do the co-located stuff. And then over the next few years, we're going to start really ramping up the, um, uh, standalone stuff. So like golden gate trail classic, we just did in November. Um, more like that. So we got a few up our sleeve for this year. None of which I believe have been announced. So I probably shouldn't say them, but, uh, plan on like four to six this year and then more going forward. Um, but yeah, we're trying to go, We've got the Spartan Race World Series, which is kind of taking over existing races, Trans Grand Canaria, Ultra Pyreneu, stuff like that. But we're starting to put on our own, and right. they are mostly going to be kind of North American based to start. So my life and is, is going to be a lot of the site goal visits.
0: Of, yeah, I bet. And is that goal just to, again, just to spread the sport, try to get like, or is it uh, with Spartans ethos, getting more people off the couch, getting people into places that, good scenery, what they want to do, like, what's the goal with expanding and
1: Dude. It's a little bit of
0: everything. It's a little bit of everything. It's, it's an
1: acknowledgement first and foremost that, um, there's an audience, right? Like obstacle course racers bring a ton of spectators who don't feel ready for obstacles. So if we can get, you know, so and so's spouse to run a trail race because Mm -hmm. they're not interested in climbing a rope, but are cool with running a 10 K on trails, Like there's a market for that right away. So that's part of it. Um, Another part of it is frankly competing with Ironman and UTMB. Like we want to do a world series race that puts out serious prize money and that people pay attention to and and hop into multiple races on the circuit. Um, So there's like the Hmm. absolute beginner side of it. There is the super elite side of it. Um, And there's kind of everything in between. Like the inspiring thing for me is that, Every single time I'm at one of these races, I'll like, you know, mark the course and and then be there on the start line giving the inspirational speech and race instructions and stuff. And when I'm on the start line and I ask the field, like, for how many of you is this your first trail race ever? 80% of people raise their hands. And that's pretty cool. So frankly, like, when Spartan got into, uh, dude, like, I understand that, like, as a guy who's really into, let's call it soul running and as a Western States devotee and is really into independent races, like I'm working for the enemy here, right? Big corporate Spartan gets into it, but like the real deal. And, and there's plenty of problems with it, right? Like it's, it's big and unorganized and we have challenges putting on races that a nimble local race organized organizer wouldn't have. But, uh, when it comes down to it, like this, the, the The first argument that people come up with against having someone like Spartan or Iron Man come in to uh, trail racing is that they're going to take business away from mom and pop races. and I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's impossible, but when I'm at a you know putting on a race in an obscure town in upstate New York and there's 300 people standing in front of them. And almost all of them say it's their first race. It's like, dude, these people never would have run a trail race. And now they're part of the scene and guess what their next race is going to be a mom and pop local race, a local
0: one, hundred
1: percent. That's how I, that like, that's why I'm motivated to do it still. Um, because it's huge, man. That's a big part of it. Uh, it, and then that's a real thing. So, you know, again, like it's been a rough few months for us and i our team has taken a lot of shit, but, uh, I still, I still <laughs> believe in it for that reason.
0: Yeah. Being part of Spartan, you're probably just going to have to take shit sometimes. It's, it's but so
1: fucked, man. It's insane. Like the extent to which people think that there's this boardroom of people just like, you know, doing the Mr. Smithers thing. Like, how can I, how can I fuck over the public to the greatest degree possible? It's, It's ridiculous like uh, social media is like the extent to which people believe that is the reality is, is practically unanimous, or at least it feels that way. But uh, mm. you know, the reality of it is it's, it's far different from that. It's, it's a, uh, there's a lot of good hearts in it. Trying to do,
0: trying to do good shit. It's trying to do your best. Trying to do it. Yep. Uh, it wasn't, hadn't been easy for anybody these past couple of years. Of course, everybody knows that. And I, Spartan's not, I think people kind of forget that, you know, there's mouths to feed there, and there's like things to do and, and operational challenges that they're facing. Uh, but there's nef- definitely no love lost for him. But I love the mentality yeah, for mean, it. There's... Like you're like you're like I'm like what rich? <laughs> <laughs> I was saying you're like you're a guy on the inside. Trail running has a guy in there, you know, spreading that good yeah. word for trail.
1: And maybe maybe someday I'll wake up and be like, "What the fuck? What am I doing?" But I don't know. I I I I question it all the time because you know I'm an, I'm an indie guy and I'm working corporate and I but I right right now I believe in it. You know what's what's keeping me honest is uh, I I I coach Matt Davis. Um, I'm nice. the ultra running coach right now, and some of the conversations that we've had. It's like I I spout off in the same way that I just spouted off to you. It's like man, it's like a lot of people who are who really believe in this shit and like, you know, we have our problems, but it's just growing pains and that sort of thing. And I'll have these conversations with Matt Davis where he's just like, "Dude, that's bullshit. Like this company's been around too long to continue to make that excuse." And I'm like, "Well, you might have a point there." <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 it's it's engaging to be kind of kept on my toes in both directions. Like the trail running world thinks I'm weird for working for Spartan. Um, but I believe in the thing because of the new audience that it's bringing to trail running. I, I know that everyone I come into contact with who's working at the company is, is genuinely motivated by good intentions and wanting to provide a good product for people and a good experience and make people into lifelong fitness enthusiasts. And then I, and then I also have a voice of reason in, Wow, I cannot believe I just called nappy Davis a voice of reason, but I have this <laughs> other voice, this this ridiculous voice on the side in Atlanta, who's like, "Hold yourself to a higher standard than that fuckface." So, you
0: know, it's a little bit of everything. Well, to and like you mentioned yourself, you wanted to be a, a independent thinker, kind of a punk rock person, but that is the that's the thing, right? You're doing what you think is best. You're not doing what the either side would expect you to do. So you are being punk rock by working. For I have
1: man. a, I have a, uh, I have a t-shirt. It's like a double XL. It's a white t-shirt. It says Callahan auto parts on it, which is a <laughs> yeah, Tommy boy. Tommy boy. Yeah. Yeah. And my, my lifelong dream is to run Western States wearing that t-shirt, <laughs> but I can't because <laughs> I'm sponsored, but that's
0: where my head's at. Well, maybe one day you won't be sponsored, and you can have yeah. that. Just keep shit to look maybe forward to. Day. Yeah, totally. Um, cool, man. I appreciate you taking this time. Glad we're finally able to make this work. It's always a pleasure yeah, talking to you. Glad yeah, are I, going I'm, well. I'm
1: sorry, I feel like I feel like the public should know that I bailed on you a bunch of times because the end of the year was was uh, dicey schedule wise. But I'm glad we got to chat again.
0: Yeah. Timing, timing doesn't always work out, but it did this time. So I'm almost, almost didn't um, on my end this time, but we we got through it. We got right, did I'll make the link to I'll, I'll link to your socials. And those who follow you, just take every every post with a grain of salt. Sarcasm <laughs> level on that. There should be there should be a sarcasm level. Like when you agree to follow somebody, it's like That's on true. what level of seriousness post should you expect? There Could should it be, be on a meter. the far, yeah, the far sarcasm. <laughs> um, all right,
1: dude. Right on. Thanks, brother. Talk to you later. Later.